Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm Rob Richardson. I'm James Keyes. I'm Tunde Ovalana. In the news, if you didn't get a chance to see it, which I'm sure you did, Amber Geiger was convicted of murdering both Ann John in his room while he was eating ice cream. It seemed like a pretty close, uh, you know, open and shut case, but when you deal with an officer, particularly of the life of a black man, you never know. And honestly, I was pleasantly surprised that she was convicted of murder, as she should have been, walking into somebody, somebody else's apartment, and with no other reason, you thought it was your apartment, so I see a black man, I shoot him. That's pretty much what happened. There's no other way to really interpret what happened. Uh, but, you know, we haven't really talked about Bo, uh, Botham John a lot. A lot of the focus has been on the person who committed the murder, the person who committed the murder, Amber Geiger, and also Judge Tammy Kemp, who was the judge who saw the officer and wanted to give her a hug. And so this really, which, okay, I mean, that's neither here nor there. She wanted to give her a hug. Wouldn't be my first reaction, but that is what she did. And then we also know that the brother of the victim also told the officer that she wanted that he forgave her. Keep in mind, she didn't ask for her forgiveness. Keep in mind, she did not she did not plead guilty and was trying to say, court, give me give me leniency. She was saying she was justified in shooting him. And she mm -hmm. has every right to do that. She was she had a trial. That trial is over. She was convicted. Case closed. But now we're looking at a case where we're just talking about this judge who gave her a hug. And and we're talking about the fact that black people forgive a lot. So I want to just start there. Let's start with the judge and we can just break this down every single way. Do you think it was appropriate for the judge to give the defendant a hug after the uh, conviction had been read? No way. It was it was totally inappropriate. Now, you say this, that the judge is is the presiding official in the court. It's, it's her courtroom. So conceivably, the judge could do what, what she wants to do. But she is a, a, a part of law enforcement or, you know, the, the decision maker in that court. She can't show favoritism. She can't do any of that stuff. I speak as an attorney, so that's going to guide my, um, my sure. principle here. Like attorneys are advocates. We're on one side of an issue or the other. The judge is supposed to be in between, neutral in between, and basically making sure the rules and the laws are being upheld. And so it's never her role to then want to show sympathy in that way. She can say, hey, you know, you know, keep your head up or whatever, things like that. But to go out and to hug, hug her is unbecoming of being a judge. Now, and, and we should point out the judge is an African-American woman. Yes, we um, should. And, yes. and it, it, I'm all for compassion. But as a judge, what her this isn't her last case. She isn't retiring. You know, like, it, it, is this something now that defendants will try to look and try to exploit things like that? She needs to be. Uh, and my question, has she done this before? Like, do you do this to, I'm sure, I mean, do you go up and hug every, every person that just got convicted of murder? Of murder. Of murder. This isn't like jaywalking and you got too big of a, you know, like, it's like, oh, I can't believe the prosecutor came after you this hard. It's like, no, you just shot somebody, like you said, in their apartment eating ice cream. You were distracted, walked into the wrong place, decided to kill that person that was standing in front of you for whatever erroneous reason. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, yeah, that person is not the one that, yeah, that's, that's the great question though, Rob. Like, does she do this all the time? You know, when- yeah, And, when and here's the other problem I had, James and Tunde. Like, this, this, this trial now became about her and became about uh, the murderer. It became about them. Should we feel sympathy for them instead of actually the victim? Like, I barely hear uh, Mr. John's name mentioned at all. I hear this officer, I hear the judge, and that's all we're talking about today. I don't know, what was your take? Yeah, I mean, it's first I thought it was just a sad all round. You know, I think that um, obviously the, the guy 
he's in his own house. No one deserves to be killed. And I think, I don't know how the hell she made that mistake, but I don't think she thought all, since she woke up that morning that she wanted to go kill that guy. Um, so obviously it's screwed up and I agree with you guys. It's, it's, it's more like it's just interesting in a weird way that she got these hugs from these people in the courtroom. And I yeah, think, it was the bailiff too. I forgot the bailiff was like petting yeah, her hair. Think, I'm like, what is going? It was also yeah. African American. Like, what is going on here? Like, what? Well, I mean, I'm gonna say this maybe in their defense that I didn't sit there in the court for the whole trial. Maybe it was extra emotional to the point where no one's ever seen anything like this, and everyone got overcome with their emotions. Barring anything really kind of unique like that, then yeah, I do think. It, it's just kind of yeah, interesting. Yes. It's you're like I never seen I never seen anything like that. And um, well, so but I you don't should really distinguish know. though between the court officials doing it and yeah, you know, the, the brother doing it. That's another. That's discussion. different. That's different. Yeah, the, the brother. The brother. We will discuss that. You know, and, yes. and, and that. But the the officials of the courtroom should not be doing that. You know, like that is they can show a level of respect. And I I'm with compassion. I I like the fact that our justice system would show someone compassion, all uh, enforcing the law. You know, like yes. granted, she didn't wake up planning to kill somebody, but if you make a decision in between the time you pull out your gun and fire that you're trying to kill somebody, that's murder. That's how it's defined, you know, by statute. So that's what happened. So, you know, it's unfortunate. Certainly it's unfortunate for the dead guy the most, you know, yeah, and it's unfortunate exactly. for the, the murderer as well. But at the same time, you know, like, again, we're a nation of laws, you know, like, and, and that's the, the, the type of thing that it's unfortunate that it happened. It's unfortunate all around. Nobody wants that outcome. But at the same time, you have to faithfully execute those laws. And that doesn't include showing what could be interpreted as bias or Correct. something like that when you're an official of the court system. No, I completely agree. And so moving to the next question, because you kind of alluded to it, uh, the brother forgave the officer for murdering his brother. And this is not new. We've seen, you know, black people tend to be very quick. I mean, and very soon after, too, uh, right after the incident to forgive people that actually just murdered their friends, their family members. Now, look, I'm, let me just say this. I, I'm a Christian. I believe in the power of grace. And I understand that. However, I do think there's an unreasonable burden put on black people because, by black people and by the media. Like, I do not remember right after 9-11 when 2,000 people were murdered. I don't, I don't remember the conversation being about forgiveness. I remember George W. Bush saying, I hear you. They're going to hear us, too. And we're going to go over there and get those people. That's what I I remember that conversation. So but no one. But when, when, when there's any type of rage with African Americans, and if we're not automatically just defaulting to forgiving, uh, I think it makes people uncomfortable. But it's not. I just want to say that I don't think, from my point of view, speaking as a Christian, it's even reasonable to say people should be just de defaulting to forgiveness after you just murdered their loved one. Like, why is that expected on us, but not but not anyone else? What are your thoughts? That's no, you raise an interesting point. I, I, I would say I'll, I'll let you jump to it, but I'll say this. The it, from a personal standpoint, it's nice that he forgave, you know, like, because yeah. actually carrying around hate and anger is harder on the person carrying it around. Like she's not feeling whether he <coughs> forgives her or not. It doesn't right. make a difference to her. You know, like it's not making her jail sentence any easier that he says, I forgive you, but it might make his life easier. But sure. at the same time, I mean, whoa, you know, like, yeah, what happened in that courtroom where this is what was felt, he felt compelled to say this, or he wanted to say this, um, you know, it, that, that's a lot. And that's a lot very quickly. But you're right, Rob, the, the, the expectation of society, because the angry black man is, is so targeted and so demonized, um, you often see this, this expectation and this demand for forgiveness. 
um, you know, an immediate forgiveness, not like, Hey, you reflect for a while, you know, you, you come down exactly. and, and eventually forgive, but like immediately, yeah, Hey, I mean, the question is asked and posed. Do you forgive them? Do you forgive them by the media? Do you forgive them? Like, mm. yeah, that's probably has something to do with the nature of who black people are because we forgive. It's kind of in our nature. But also, I think there's this, again, unrealistic expectation because I never hear that articulated, you know, particularly if the victim is if, if the vi I, like, let, let's take the D.C. case from the D.C. sniper. I don't remember when the DC sniper happened to be a black man who was a uh, mass murderer. I do not remember the media putting the microphone in front of white victims saying, do you forgive this person? Do you forgive him? Sure, you should forgive him. I mean, I don't remember that, but I don't know. Tune day, am I, am I missing something yeah, no, here? You're, am I you're over right. and projecting? No, you're right. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I guess we, we tend to accept things over time and not notice that there is an imbalance. And I think since this case has come out and these hugs have come out and people have been having these conversations to allow me to realize that I didn't notice a lot of this stuff, that it were, there was an imbalance on this kind of forgiveness track uh, on certain <laughs> crimes, because you're right. I mean, as you're talking, Robert, it makes me think about um, how seriously um, disturbed most of us have been over the last five, six years about groups like ISIS, for example. Um, and, and some of the MS-13 and these illegal immigrants that have killed Americans. And it's true. I, I thought about it after reading one of those articles we passed around during the week. Like, yeah, it's true. I never really heard that these, you know, Americans being asked to forgive ISIS fighters who might have done terrorists no. or Europeans in Europe, because I know they've done a lot more damage in Europe, the ISIS uh, terrorists. Or I, I, haven't, I haven't heard, you know, like you said, white Americans that unfortunately may have lost a family member through murder by an illegal alien being, uh, you know, asked to forgive that illegal immigrant who killed their family member. It's usually used as a weapon to further uh, um, kind of uh, punish that group that that, that that person came from. And I don't, it's interesting. I just, it's got me thinking. And I think part of it is our, our society, specifically again here in America, where for hundreds of years, blacks have been the victims of violence without any legal recourse up until probably 50, 60 years ago when integration and desegregation came legally. Do you, so think, there's think, a, do you think there's a fear there of white people that we no, might actually feel the same I don't know if it's a race? fear. I mean, it could be. I think it's it's kind of ingrained culturally where, again, it, it goes back with, while you guys were talking, I'm sad, sad to say the first thing that came into my mind was the expression that we heard from the last president. When they go low, we go high. Right. It's it's this inability to come back with the same level of force and say, you know, and by that the way, wasn't right. That was, have, yeah. I've actually told you my counter to that. I'm not sure if I did. I think the listeners should know. I say when they go low, we hit them directly in the chest. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but that's kind of my point. Right. Like like we don't have that mentality as a group when it comes to white Americans. I think a lot of times historically, because those that stood up and fought back back in the day immediately got their head chopped off. Yeah, yeah they got, I think there was a, they're out of the gene pool. Correct, yep. they're literally out correct. of the gene pool. So I think there was a, a part of just the culture that evolved that said, you I know think what? that's true. That's a good we point. We can't do anything about these, this, 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 these lynchings and violence and police brutality. Like you said, the only thing we can do is just forgive these people because if not, we're carrying this pain and this suffering constantly. And yeah. so, I, I don't know, but it's it's a good point you guys bring up because until this happened, I never thought of it that no one else forgives. But well, 
it's, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, the w one thing you got to be careful with is false equivalency with this, because like the ISIS or if you look at 9-11, those were like those guys did wake up that morning intending to cause. That. Yeah. You know, so th those were things that, that like that's extending beyond. Well, what about Dylan Roof? Oh. Dylan Roof. That's a fair point, but you're right. That's no, what I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not my story. point is only that you have to avoid the false equivalency. No, the that's fair. What about what, what, what about that. Dylan Dylan Roof? So let's take that to your point so you mm -hmm. can finish this, because that's a great point. I think it's a false equivalent to look at Amber Geiger. Well, I would look at not even murder like people don't forgive Colin Kaepernick. You know, like, and, and now granted, <laughs> he's not, it, it, people won't even say, take him for what his word on what his point is. You know, he, he, he took a knee or is taking a knee, you know, during the national anthem and says, I'm doing this because of injustice, doing this because of police brutality. And people say, screw you, you hate America. And it's like, well, you know, wh where's the compassion there? Where, where, right. Like, None of that is 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 becoming, so to speak, of if we say you're you said you're a Christian, I'm a Christian as well. You know, that that's not Jesus Christ, you know, he 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 forgives. That's what he teaches. No, he forgets to teach vengeance. You're absolutely right. And the question is you know, that's a that's a point I like to bring up. Like, does it seem like African Americans actually focus on the doctrine more than white Americans do? Because that because look, I, I just never hear that being the focus. When, That's a loaded question, bro. It is a loaded question, but I think it's a, I, th I think it's a fair question. I think it's a fair question on the practice of Christianity. When you look at it, like I do not see a lot of compassion or humanity for African Americans, especially if we actually did do something wrong. I can't think of a case where people came out and said, like, I want to forgive that person. I'm sure there's some, but for us, it's the norm. And I think for the greater majority, it tends to be the exception. But I think you're right, Rob, because it's not even just with African-Americans. I mean, look, look what's going on. We've talked about it in different shows about what's going on at the border, separating children, all that stuff. There's, yeah. and, and no one's advocating for open borders, right? There's a way that you can seal the border, stop people from coming in, but still be humane about it and not split four-month-old babies that are breastfeeding from their mothers. But you're right. There's not a compassion for certain people, and I want to be very careful on this because obviously religion is a very su delicate subject. This is disruption. Um, we got to got to store people up a little bit. Go ahead. No, but there, there's just there's just a, I, I understand that there's a lot of people that do get a lot of good quality value out of their religion and their beliefs, and so I don't want to make it appear that we're just bashing Christians or bashing people that are religious. But I do think there are people that wear a lot of their religion on their sleeve. That for are very some things, they're, right? They're, they're very hypocritical, and they choose where they want to be Christian or or, or where Correct. they don't. And, I, right. and, and, and frankly, I see that happening. And I'm going to say this is broad, but it, with the with the with the right wing, with with right wing Christian evangelicals, I see them picking their Christianity oh, of as, fo as focusing on what gay marriage and a couple other things and everything else, like. When it talks about the poor, it talks about forgiving, and they're like, whoop, silent, I don't hear nothing. Like, and well, I, think I think it's a folly, though, to, to try to paint religion um, with a broad brush, um, because so often religion, where there's the spiritual element that people really derive benefit from, because there's also the institutional element. Yeah. And so religion is used in so many improper ways as a means of control. Is, yeah, exactly. And control as a means of, of, of consolidating power, consolidating authority that 
we tend to, when, when people look from the outside, like Bill Maher, you know, does it like, we look at it from the outside, you're just, you, you focus on the things that stand out to you, Correct. but you inherently overlook the things that are actually are consistent with the stated values. So I wouldn't go to say, this is what happens with Christians or, or Christians do this, Christians do that, or Christians are a certain race do that. But I do always, and I've said this on this show before, you know, like I, I, I always see a lot more Christianity than I do see people trying to be like Christ. And that's across the board. You know, like the, the religion is so often used um, in a judgmental sense and not in a collaborative or, or, or bringing people love, forgiveness type of sense. Like those teachings really just don't seem to be emphasized in many ways. Um, and those teachings, if you're, if those don't comport with, authority and power though you know so institutionally those are just not going to be picked up as well and then also the tribalism aspect plays there as well because a lot of times those values are promoted inner tribe but outside of the tribe which jesus christ didn't make that distinction correct but outside the tribe then it's like no none of that stuff plays and so, so the, it, you so have the, to be careful though with the broad brush though because so, so you, you, you end up focusing on the only the things that you know Th- that's they, they true. stand out to you. So I, let me say this. So tribalism. is this helping? Go ahead, go ahead. I touch on this point on tribalism just because I think you're go right, ahead. Jimmy. That that if we look at if we want to maybe try and answer that question of why um, you know that a lot of let's say white American Christians don't forgive um, perpetrators that may be of a different group. I think it does come down to the tribalism part, and it may even go back to conversation we've had on other shows about dehumanizing the other because if, if someone's not at if you don't if you genuinely don't look at someone as equal to you then do they even deserve forgiveness you know the meaning like they're a beast you know what i mean so if yes a bear, yeah, i agree bear yeah, i think that kills your father in the woods back in the old days when you know people live like that are you going to sit there and start caressing the bear and forgive it no you just really that was a violent animal and my dad was in the wrong place the wrong time and you go kill the bear back. And, you go yeah, kill and you're going to go kill the bear. And, right. and to your point, that seems to be the attitude with um, when it, when minorities in this country do something wrong, it goes back to something like the Central Park Five. Even when DNA tests exonerate them and the perpetrator has come out and admitted that he did it and not those five, there's still people at a high level in this country that say, no, it was them. I believe I can't believe it wasn't that. No forgiveness at all. Exactly. No forgiveness no. at all. No, no, no ability to even let go. If you want to take that a step further, though, by the way, um, and the, no the reconciliation, even not even reconciliation. Yeah, not even, exactly. But I mean, the, Jesus. The, the, the dehumanization actually was necessary. Um, Jesus Christ uh, couldn't have slaves. Like it, it, the, all the, exactly. any story about Jesus Christ and, and Christians, Christians were the persecuted, not the persecutors. And so it, it actually was a necessary component of slavery in America that that yes. these slaves become dehumanized because otherwise it doesn't comport with the religion. You and and you and, and adopt. That's such a great point, Jim, James. And I think adopt a point of view where it's okay to be slaves. Like Correct. what, the, what yeah. they taught in the Bible was that there's the, I can't think of what the line is right now, but there's a line about like, if you're a slave, be comfortable being a slave. Like, and so I'm sure yeah. that was repeated and ingrained to African slaves that were here. So, 
I guess I guess the question is, and, and I say also this, it comes, I think, from the forgiveness part too. That that's what I meant by the hundreds of years of culture. You'll be rewarded in heaven, basically. Correct. Yeah. Let's forgive the slave master for being beat and for being, um, you know, kind of in in chains physically and me- metaphorically. Because to your point, Jimmy, as long as we're good to massa, we'll be rewarded in heaven. Yeah. And unfortunately, I- both whites and blacks in America have kind of, you know, that's just permeated and marinated into kind of the culture a little bit. So I say this as a Christian, as a belief, because I, I think I think some of this, I, a lot of it is taken out of context or taken just for what people want to use it for, as James talked about. But is this mentality that we have right now, is it helping? Is it hurting? Is it neutral? What are your thoughts? Because I have to ask, like, is this the right approach? I do believe in forgiving, but should we have the expectation set up that we're supposed to forgive once someone does a heinous murder, like right away, like, is there some, is there any harm to that? Because is this helping us become more humanized? I was, I, look, I, I was amazed that, that, that the brother of Bohan uh, Jean could do that. And I was, I, it was powerful, but I have to say, is this helping or is this hurting or is it neutral or am I just overthinking this thing? What are your thoughts? Um, I, I don't think you're overthinking. Look, I think when I watched that and that kid, you know, I was I was emotional. I thought, wow, like you said, how can he do that in terms of I don't think I'd be a big enough man to behave that way to someone that killed my brother. So I respected what he did. I don't, I don't think I could either. Yeah. And, and so I respect that. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to downplay the kid at all. And um, I think it was just a kind of a beautiful moment in a sense. Um, but you're right. It, it's just so I think in that sense, it's like let's not take that away from him and the fact that he was a big enough man to do that. Uh, but I agree that it will be nice to see others that don't look like him that have been hurt by people also open and willing to say, I forgive yeah. you, even though you did something terrible to my family or something like that. So, but I have a problem that the expectation is on us to do it too, no matter what. That's the, I think that's a well, superhuman thing to ask. But, but I mean, some of that though comes from, and, and you did point this out earlier, comes from black folks and white folks. Correct. And I mean, I, I think if you look backwards, um, just, you know, 50 years ago, like the tactic of Dr. King, you know, for example, yeah. um, was to turn the other cheek. Um, you know, it, as the oppressed in a society, um, there are ways that you that, that history has shown where you can make get, make gains, where you can can get closer to equality. Um, you know, Gandhi was the same type of way. Sure. Malcolm X, Malcolm X came around to that. Came around to see that he did. The 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 eye for the eye, the tooth for a tooth wasn't going to get you where you want to go. So I'm inclined to believe that it is probably the most effective way. Um, because as I said, like from a personal standpoint, you know, now, now again, this is not me telling other people what they should be doing, but just me knowing that carrying around anger and that's, hate that, that's true. Is, I agree. Is, is toxic to your body, you know? And in fact, um, you, you see that with, you know, in other elements of society, you know, like the, the hate of immigrants or the hate of this, where people just can't get out of their own ways because they just focus so much on how their life is being ruined by these nameless face, faceless people that they feel like, or they're being told in media is, right. is ruining everything in their country and so forth. And so they're willing to accept, you know, the craziest behavior, you know, from leadership, just because that leadership is saying, hey, yeah, we'll get rid of this problem that, that you think you have and you know, all these people and so forth. And all that's driven by hate. All that's driven by completely not agree. being able to, to, to get past it. So it's difficult to see. It's difficult to acknowledge that, you know, as a black man. 
Um, yeah. in, you know, as as one of the oppressed, you know, like yeah. so to speak, in society, one of the minorities. Um, I, I don't think it's like in any majority minority situation, you end up with that type of imbalance. Now, how it's played out in America has been very toxic, you know. But yeah, it has been. That imbalance, though, is always going to be there. Minorities can't do minorities of any, you know, minorities of thought, minorities of religion, minorities of skin color, whatever, can't do the same things that the majorities can in a society, you know. So, yeah. you know, I think you have to keep that in mind as well. And Agreed. It, but I think MLK, though, to, 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 to push back a little bit on that is that um, because of Malcolm and because of others, he, he, he wasn't Malcolm wasn't uh, he was definitely more radical before and he was starting mm -hmm. to adjust. But he still believed in a little more direct response than Martin Luther King did, even when his yeah. he just didn't yeah. he didn't believe in opposing Dr. Martin Luther King again. But I will say that uh, I believe the threat of. Malcolm and others mm -hmm. made, made and the Martin and the nation made Martin mm -hmm. more powerful. And they said, we got to do something because even, even Dr. Martin Luther King says, listen, if you don't do something like you're going to see more riots because riots is what people do when they have no power and that hurts you too. So yeah. no, uh, violence, I, I agree with you is always the wrong direction. Uh, hate is always, it never helps you. It hurts you more. However, it, you know, when people, if people believe that stuff can happen without consequence, human nature also shows that they're more yeah. likely to do it again. So it's just this tough balance that like I haven't figured out yet and I'm struggling with. I really well, am as I talk I think out the loud. Question is, the question is more of what type of consequence. Is the consequence that you're going to, you know, pull out a gun and start shooting? Well, yeah. That's one extreme. The other extreme is the consequence. Oh, it's okay. You know, I know you, you know, you, you, you killed my brother or you lynched my father, but it's okay. You know, right. I, that's another extreme. You know, there's Agreed. somewhere in the middle where, um, you, you can stand up for yourself and show that something is not acceptable, um, you know, and that there will be consequences. And as Tunde noted, you know, as of over the last 50 years or so, black folks have actually been able to use the, the, the court system, the justice system to try to, to, to get some type of um, uh, or create some type of consequence for the trampling on rights. You know, Civil yeah. Rights Act made it was a big deal. But, um, you know, ultimately, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those there's no black and white, you know, easy answer. If you just do this each time, you know, there, there's, it's a gray area. You have to figure yeah. out what's effective, um, you know, but then, and then you also have to balance the individual side. Like we can't ask Botham Jean, John's brother, to, to carry around anger. And nor should we. And, you know, you know, like, hey, you can't do that. You have to carry that around, you know, and make her feel, like try to make her feel bad about it. And it's like, nah, man, that's gonna eat you out, eat right. you from the inside. I so, just want people to understand as we close, you know, we talk about disrupting common narratives and constructs around here. I want people, particularly white people, to understand the extraordinary exceptionalism it takes to keep forgiving things like this. And I, I agree we should do that because uh, I, I think I've shared this story before, but I had a chance to talk to Andrew Young, who was the uh, who was a close confidant to Dr. Martin Luther King, and I asked him a similar question, a question, the similar questions that similar question and questions we've talked about today. I, he and he really just sat with me and talked to me about some of the horrible things. I mean that that he had to go through, that he had to endure, that his wife had to endure. I mean, just things that are just unimaginable. Essentially, they were. Just, just terror, terror. They were, they were just terrorized every single day. We were domestic. We pretty much had domestic terrorism for their entire lives, just because they were black. And I asked them and said, I just don't know, uh, you know, Dr. Young, if I would have had the strength to do what you and Dr. Martin Luther King did. And I, I'm glad you did it. It was the right thing to do. How in the world did you do it though? Because I, I just don't know how I could have done it. 
And he said, look, Rob, you have to remember something. Racism is a disease and it's only cure is love. That's it. So as we talk about this, you're like, yes, I just want people to understand how hard this is and to see the human side of us and understand that what was done to Mr. John, Mr. Boham John shouldn't have happened. And it, ha it happens too, too often in this country and it happens too often with Christians that say they believe in love, but look away. So we want you to see us, don't be colorblind, see who we are and see that we are human, see that we bleed and we're supposed to be worshiping to the same God and I hope someday we can actually see that. But for now, I'm Rob Richardson. I'm James Keyes. I'm Tunde Gamana. And we'll see you next time.